We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My next guest on the Bravery Academy had her body speaking to her and she just had to listen. Her name is Dr. Jin Ong, and while her career started out as an osteopath, it has been catapulted by learning to listen into the body and understand the wisdom that it holds. She's both a dear friend as well as a very wise woman, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you her story of how she learned to listen in. Welcome, Jin. I am really excited to have you on the podcast today on the Bravery Academy because for two reasons. I know that you're an amazing human. And also, you're one of my best friends. And I think hearing your wisdom around this my body connection and really the emotions is going to be eye-opening for so many. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm super excited. I know we always have a good conversations, so it's just good to record our conversation. Absolutely. For many people that don't know you, where are you living right now and where do you come from? I am living in Wanaka, so just over the hill from you. And I am from Melbourne, Australia. So we're in New Zealand, for those that don't know where we are right now, if you're not familiar with Queenstown and Wanaka. So what's your background, Jin, then? Obviously, I know it, but what's the kind of work that you started doing? Yeah, you're just like a sister from another mister because we live very parallel lives down to we're both born in December and we walk in with the same drink bottle. We We just have a lot of the same things. And, you know, you were a physio, you had a clinic, you went on to sell that clinic. And we met when I was an osteopath, I had a team, I had a clinic. And then I went on to sell that clinic in 2021, whilst I was transitioning into the online space. And actually, you were in the online space before I was. And it's just been amazing, because we've been so supportive of one another. And we met when, gosh, it was just like an explosion when we met, right? Yeah. Three weeks after we set up a 350-person community event, <laughs> after we met. It was insane. That must be about seven, six, seven years ago now as well. I remember yeah. being up and speaking at that event, and we were trying to do our mini TEDx for the community we were in to give health and wellbeing speakers a platform to share, you know, how people could take control of their health. And I remember looking at that story back then and being like, oh, I've got a really good stress story. <laughs> I still remember being like, I've been going, oh, yeah, let's talk about my illness and maybe some divorce. I think that was on the cards then. And then like years later being like, oh, no, now I've got me a stress story. If I could only share that one back then. So tell me, what do you consider yourself now then as you have evolved out of this osteopath hat? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wrote something down that kind of downloaded from the other day of the different titles. 
that I've called myself. And um, do you mind if I try and find it? Yeah. I found it. <laughs> when I was PC and canned what people thought I was, I was an osteopath. When I started stretching into what I believed in, I was a psychosomatic therapist. When I thought, stuff it, and spoke to what I did, I was a cathartic release therapist. Now that I don't care what people think, and I know, I'm a medical intuitive. And I'm moving towards no label, no title, and let my story share the wisdom. Yeah, beautiful. And that story is going to be spoken today. So tell me about how you moved into that medical intuitive space. So my little crisis point which is starting to become a bit of a distant memory, was back in 2011 and 12. So as a teenager, I had a few pimples and I thought it was a big deal. And then I progressed into acne. I took the pill. I took all the antibiotics. I took the Roaccutane because that was meant to fix me for a lifetime. And every time I was off the stuff, the issue would come back. So I went through about 10 years of so of, I'm going to come off of it. Actually, this is too painful. I'm getting rebound effects. I'll go back on it. And I just was brought up more in a conventional world. You go to the doctor, you don't go to a naturopath. I'd never seen an osteopath, a physio, chiro, or anything when I grew up. I just dealt with things. And then I, yeah, got into the osteo world. Oh, I got hooked on skiing. And then I started doing locum work. And that took me over to Brisbane, to Australia, which is really hot and humid. And this is where I learned about Ayurvedic doshas because four weeks in was my threshold and my skin just exploded and I had cystic acne under my chin, my cheeks, my forehead, it was on my chest, it was on my back and it just really ate me up inside. It was a little bit physically painful when I had those cysts but it was more psychologically painful and I knew that I was my worst critic. Like I thought it was so much worse than what anyone else did. and. I spent a lot of money trying to survive and make my skin look good, beauty therapy treatments, chemical peels, putting all sorts of nasty things on my skin, seeing an acupuncturist, seeing a herbalist, trying everything under the sun, controlling my diet like no other, veganism, gluten-free, sugar-free, raw diet, and probably not letting them do their thing for long enough. It was just a couple of weeks at a time. And then I'd change it. I wanted fast results. I wanted people to stick needles in me. I wanted them to crack me. And then someone spoke to me about something that my brain couldn't comprehend, but my body kept on saying, keep going back and see this person. And it was so funny because I was talking to a client the other day about this huge energy work that she had when she was overseas on holidays. And I relayed my story of a similar experience that I was walking down to this treatment and all the bins were out, their lids were closed, but it just absolutely stank. And then I came out of this therapy treatment, hands-on, spoken stuff that I couldn't comprehend with my mind. And I was walking home, the bin lids were open, they were empty, but they should still stink pretty bad. And I was like, everything smells amazing. (laughs) Just like funny shit like that. Anyway, so that was in Brisbane as well. And so I just had, it's one of my most pivotal transformational times and I'm glad that I listened to the signs that I was getting but not only did my skin start breaking out I started to get ulcers on my eye and that was really painful I couldn't wear my contact lenses I ended up having cortisone eye drops antibiotic eye drops I was getting sick really randomly sometimes just for 24 hours where I felt like I'd have the flu then I'd be fine I would have a fever I would get coughs I would just 
get sick what felt like every few weeks, couple of months. I can't remember how often it was. And I was spending so much of my free time at all of these appointments and making money to pay for all of those appointments. And so I finished up that locum after six months. And then I went back to New Zealand to ski patrol to Wanaka, where I live now. It's a different climate. It's drier. It's colder. Summer, it's not too hot, but it's dry. And my skin got better after six weeks. And I thought it was, I just have to become a ski bum, but I can't afford to be a ski bum because I like to live a luxurious lifestyle. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. And, you know, still just thinking it from a very logical perspective. And I thought, I've done NLP, hypnotherapy. I didn't try a lot of things that I am aware of now, but I was like, right, I've tried everything that I think I know. Surely, you know, Deepak Chopra says that your gut lining replaces itself after, what, seven days, seven years, whatever it is, right? I'm a new person. I was not that same person. I had the locum again. I was like, yep, I'm going to go back and also test how my body responds. Four weeks to the day, I started breaking out with little pimples and then it just all exploded and it was way worse this time. Wow. On top of the sickness, I started getting rashes on my body, but the location was really interesting. I got them on my joint lines, in my belly button. And then I had these memories of like 10 years prior, getting these random itchy spots on my knees. But now I had this hives and I could understand it. I also got to the point, I was living in a two-story apartment with a friend that in the morning I had to hold onto the handrail to walk down the stairs because I had bilateral ankle stiffness. And, you know, as an osteophysiochiro, you kind of go, oh, bilateral at the same time, no mechanism of injury. Maybe there's some sort of autoimmune arthritis going on. I never went to find out, but that was my wake up call. And I just remember thinking, shit, I'm going to, I'm about to trigger an autoimmune condition. And I was taking anti-inflammatories, I was taking Panadol whilst I was treating people, telling them that they needed to rest and stop work. But it was my livelihood, it was my income, I didn't have any like backup savings, etc. I spent everything that I earned. And I actually then turned around and looked at myself in the mirror and I just looked in pure amusement of how my body was speaking to me and I sort of laughed at it. I was like, I know what you're telling me. And so I ended up, that was the first job that I left early. And thankfully, Julian Tivenuto, I'll give him a shout out. He could hear everything behind what I was saying. And he's like, really, you're telling me that you're not happy? And it's okay, you can leave. So I only left three weeks early. But I went on to just cruise mode. I did ski, Gav and I traveled. And then I started herbal medicine I mean, we decided to have our daughter in 2014 and ultimately the message was that my body was trying to tell me with my skin issues and getting the hives on my joint lines was, you know, there's a truth and you're not expressing it. So when I moved back to Wanaka, which was the dream, when I set up my clinic, effort. I don't care what kind of osteopath you're meant to be. I'm just going to be the osteopath I want to be. And I'm just going to speak my truth to every client that crosses my path. And then my skin started to get better. And then, you know, onwards, all the leaps and bounds I've taken is all on a mission to express my sole purpose. And as I do that, my skin just gets better, better, better and better. And my health and everything else that I attract into my life. I love your story for so many reasons, because it's this part of the body speaking so loudly 
so loudly. And because we're so trained in this Western conventional world, which I was too, and that piece of not listening to you in a truth, I know that even in my relationship before we got divorced was probably the most immune function unwell that I'd been. Those viruses that kept coming in and my lovely now emically divorced ex-husband being like, man, you get sick all the time. It's like so annoying. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. It is very annoying. (laughs) So we often ignore the fact that our body is trying to sell us something, right? And it's this because we're coming from this headspace. Can you go back to the Ayurvedic process and why that really changed? Because I know you do a lot of work with that now in your emotional body work and the trainings, and that's been a real big pillar into understanding Mm. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've been listening to me. That was a wonderful question. Okay. I love this work. <laughs> so, yeah, the Ava doshas and even the chakra work, I say there's three pillars. I teach people how to process their emotions using the release process. I teach them to identify what those stored emotions are based on their behavior and how their body is manifesting issues, but mental state, behavioral state, what's going on in your life. And then also I use the Ayurvedic doshas to help people understand themselves first, first and foremost, and then they can understand others. So those are the three pillars I teach, but I also teach them unlike anyone else teaches this. <laughs> definitely do. You definitely do. And I think it's the combination of them, which is what people go, this is fascinating. Understand this pillar. Yes. And integrate it because, integrate. and that's my biggest for you when I just talk about one aspect, it's like, it's not just about Ayurvedic doshas. It's amazing. But like I, I use the example of all these different diets that I tried and there's elements that I still pull on, but I take bits from a paleo, bits from a raw diet, bits from a vegan diet, bits from a keto diet, and I choose what suits me based on my constitution. Yeah. So why I really got into Ayurvedic doshas was I picked up this book, Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra, and I also read Quantum Healing by Deepak Chopra. It was just, it was such a pivotal time. Why it landed for me was because I had the money, I had the job, I had the friends, life is good. I was in a relationship, albeit long distance, but we can't be a long distance. <laughs> um, everything was good. And I was like, why is my body responding like this? But the climate, I had to, Keep myself in balance by seeing the herbalist, the acupuncturist, eating these certain diets to really cool me down versus putting myself, you know, out of the dirty fish bowl into a clean fish bowl, which was Monica. <laughs> um, so just the revisit the second time back and having everything hit four weeks to the day, it was like, right, well, actually it's this environment, but I love all of these people here and I still maintain those friendships, but it's taking myself out of that discomfort or comfort and creating a new discomfort, landing and setting up in a new town. I mean, that transition took a few years. We came back in 2016. That was back in 2011 and 12. I had all those issues. And a lot of people don't recognize the impact and the influence of environment and weather, apart from like the whole sad disorder in winter. A lot of people don't recognize like the wind that can irritate. So it's just an amazing way to interact with the world and people and your environment and again like I come back to understand yourself first if anyone asks me how do I help your kids how do I help your family member blah 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 is you've got to understand yourself first work on yourself when you work on yourself everyone around you will respond because we see the manifestation that people are going through but we don't understand the backstory or the context 
And I remember, I remember the day that we were on a call and you told us, you found out that you got conned and you were in tears. And just like that journey, it's such an honor to be part of that. And you share it so openly, but oh my gosh, it's so different being on the journey and the experience with you. I can actually feel those tears coming now because it's someone, like I just talked to another person that I've interviewed today around that. And it's when you have the people that have supported you on that process. Mm. And it's just really nice to get to thank you, Jin, for that process because I know that I escaped over to Wanaka actually a few days after that happened. Um, mm. And this is part of that, with the piece of vulnerability of that. We, we still feel all these things. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. But for me, it's also knowing about how you release it, right? And that mm. emotional release has actually been so important, such yeah. a foundational piece to be able yes. to get me out of that survival mode into a state where I'm thriving. Can you talk to me about how you do that mm. release process for so many? Yeah. Well, this is where I go into... I love teaching with masculine structure. It's a verbal dialogue process. It starts with a scream. And that's a thing that you can go off and do, but that can sometimes tip people over into the abyss, into a panic attack. I have experienced that with people, and that's why I love to support. Um, But the first part is a scream, and then you don't even have to know what you're screaming about. The other three parts is a very structured dialogue, verbal dialogue process, and I believe in not thinking it, not journaling it, but speaking it out loud because your voice has a vibration and frequency that's felt and emitted out into the ether, into the universe, whatever it is you believe in, and it's listening. It's about giving people a space and time to dwell on the negative so that they aren't letting the negative infiltrate their day-to-day life. And so many people avoid the negative. And so you can actually use the release process which I feel like it's something that I've created, that structure, that process. You can use it for really positive things, but I love the dark stuff. I love to help people negate the negative, the dark, the normal, because so many people avoid it, but it always finds its way of creeping up and trying to speak to you. And when you can actually get into those shadows, into that dark work, then you can see more of the beauty, more of the amazingness, more of the celebration vibes, and hold both of them. So... There's so many things. You don't just process on people. You can process on inanimate objects. You can process on whatever you're addicted to. You can process on communities of people. This comes up a lot with when I've worked with people in religion, religious communities that they want to move through and move out of. What I'm loving at the moment is releasing on organs or body parts that aren't functioning the way someone desires to before they have it removed. But there is also a way to grieve the loss of a body part, grieve the loss of, you know, maybe your version of yourself before menopause, because sometimes it's not until you're in menopause, you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't make the most of that time. And I hated it on my period. I hated it on my body. So there's just so many variations, but the foundation that I teach to people is on a person. And I love to teach in the experience of So I actually, there's many podcast interviews that I've done in the past and I used to describe the process because I was like, give all your best stuff away for free. But then people would butcher, they would bypass it. And I just really believe it is a sacred process that has the ability to transmute pain first and foremost, and then allow you to access the most amazing messages. And that's why I still use it myself because I receive the messages that helps me take the next steps in life. So, yeah, it involves a one-way 
conversation that has three prompts to it, a two-way conversation where you're hearing it back. And that involves two prompts, but it also involves like what energetic space are you in? And then there's an inner child or a younger self conversation. And then there's variations of depending on what it is you're working on. And that's why you, I mean, you've got an amazing podcast as well called The Art of Listening to Your Body. It's almost moved past that now, even though that was a starting point, mm. right? It's the art of listening to you is the is mm. what really you're doing. And again, I don't think that we're given this, we aren't given this framework to do that. And so to have the process that you've created with the emotional connection and release beside that is very powerful. And there's safety in that. I also know that you've helped so many people that have tried the traditional processes, similar to me, and then they've come back and gone, it's just not shifting it. Maybe the surface level's kind of gone, but the body and the emotions and the way that we've somatically held uh, yeah. is, is not going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's digging deeper. And I know the structured processes that we teach are a great entry point for people. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. We were just saying, well, I was saying to you earlier, like a lot of people come to me because they're sick of people pussyfooting around the issues and just staying superficial. And then that's where I share a lot as well about Practitioners have got to do the work so that you can hold the stuff for people and not pussyfoot around it and dig into it. I think that's a really important part because from a pivot point in life, if people can understand that if you don't do this work as a therapist or as a coach or and, and figure out how do you regulate yourself, you're also going to get tapped out by people and not have yeah. the bandwidth. And I was just talking to my again another another beautiful, amazing podcast guest that's going to be coming out as well that place of that not every therapist has done the work on themselves and that's really hard to be like so are you looking after yourself too like how do you do this how do you actually make sure yeah. that you're doing all these parts so that you don't get weighed down like some people people that say to me how do you not get affected by all the stuff that you're yeah. you know taking on I'm like I don't take it on 
I yeah. figure out how to shift through, how to do this. And I've, I've learned that my goodness, my handbrake moments have taught me so much about how I have to self-regulate and take care and listen in and release. Yeah. Otherwise it comes along like a big roll of baggage that I'm carrying between people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a lot of therapists and practitioners, not all get into it because of their own trauma. And what's amazing though as well is I feel like it keeps you, if you're ready, even more accountable to keep doing the work so that you can hold space for more. Not necessarily more people because we have both scaled back from the 60, 70 patients a week kind of list, but actually we've had to decondition ourselves from that world and create more space for this, for ourselves so that we can show up for people. And valuing the time that you put into people as well. If people want to go on this journey, you actually need to invest the time, the energy, the space, the energetics to go, I'm choosing me. So in regards to this bravery conversation, it can feel really scary to actually stop and go Mm -hmm. do something that may not feel like it's traditional and to go, I'm actually going to get a coach and progress in a different way. And it's about learning to listen. And like you did when you had that original process back in Brisbane and Mm. go, oh, this feels like I need to try this. And it's really fascinating watching the reactions that you have in yourself and in others. Yes. And, you know, I had a beautiful phone call with a friend yesterday and it started off, I have to tell you this pain story. I'm like, tell me, tell me, tell me. And This work really can be fun because I didn't feel sorry for her. We were just like in awe of what was happening. But she said, I can talk to you about it, but some of my friends and family think I'm batshit crazy. I'm like, well, I'm batshit crazy and I just, (laughs) you can take it or leave it from me. I'm just going to say it anyway. But I just desire for everyone to talk about these batshit crazy stories because there's something in it. And anyway, it was just, it was a complete laugh, even though, well, we can laugh about it now, right? (laughs) But there is such profound messages in every experience and not just from physical pain in our body. And sometimes mm-hmm. we get stuck in that survival state. And you said, no, we talk about the body so much. And then that's when the body is speaking. It's like when you're getting these messages around, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I have all these you know, body conditions. They are just a warning or an alight on the body where there is a deeper piece to it. And I think I am stepping more into it. And even though it can feel woo-woo, it's really about this practice of listening. And my goodness, how many stories have we got of the woman and the men that we work with? And I work a lot with women. I definitely work with men as well. But the woman coming with their hand raised going, me too, I have felt this. This is my story of pain and dysregulation. And that dysregulation mm. comes from this ability to not create the boundaries, listen to the self. And that the, what you're talking about with that self-conversation wow, that is such a game changer when you really understand that there is a place where you can create compassion and kindness to yourself. And this is what I want people to see is that, well, first of all, you've heard my story and and it's a bit of a crazy one with the conning, but there are other layers to it as well, where I look at the levels of painful moments through my life that have accumulated. And when you don't deal with them, then just because they happened 20 years ago, doesn't mean that they have been healed or recovered. Yeah. And why things come up now might be because it's happened, like you said, the inner self piece. My goodness, the work that we do with women on retreats, and when we look at those aspects of, you know, well, what has been hurt for them in their life, it isn't the stuff that happened last week, last month, last year. Oh my gosh. Yes. Going back, going back in, in so many ways that keep mm. us stuck in survival. 
So it doesn't matter. It's not a comparison game as well. Like, mm. am I bad enough to go and do the emotional work? Am yeah. I bad enough to go and actually look after my nervous system? It doesn't matter. It's don't, about don't choosing get to that you. Point either. Yeah. Don't get to that point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is why it's amazing when people share their pain stories of the experiences that they've been through and where they've gotten to. And yeah, there is like hours and hours and years of stories to share behind that. Everything that's happening in the here and now and is going to happen is because of the stuff that's happened in the past. So we keep on getting the lessons in different shapes, ways or forms. And this is something that's been coming through for me so clearly when I sit down and I spend a few hours, I spend three hours taking someone's history because I get like the whole life timeline and it's so clear in that three hours of like, oh my gosh, do you know when this happened, you said the exact same thing when this happened and was a different person, doesn't even have to be a person in a relationship. And you see so clearly the patterns that have played out and there's more of them the older the person is. And it's like, right, we're going to hit this again and we're going to navigate it. There is a beautiful world buffet out there, even though it feels like sometimes you may not feel like you can see it, but it's this knowing and trusting like we're talking about. It's amazing. Mm. There's lots of ways people can work with you. You've got your podcast, you've got some amazing masterclasses that you can jump into for free. And then all your processes and coaching, which I think is an amazing investment for people. How do they work with you? Yeah, I just really love how it's all fallen into place naturally and never from a place of need, but like I want to deliver it. So yes, I work with just a very select few number of people that are ready to take the leap with the one-to-one journey. We do that online. And then I do have group courses as well, which are a little bit more accessible. They run whenever I feel like it, usually once or twice a year. And I've just been saying lately, look, I'm just evolving into this next space and I'm happy to drop things as well. So I never know how long it's going to be around. People always say, I'll do the next one, I'll do the next one. There might not be a next one. So that's the release course for the general public, but I also work with practitioners and I do love to teach practitioners impart my knowledge because there's only a certain number of people I can work with and they all have their own spin and they'll all attract their own people. So got a practitioner training that teaches them those three pillars. I do business coach people. I do a whole bunch of stuff that I don't actually share. And I do have masterclasses and just small courses to dip your toes into. And then of course, just all the free stuff on social media. So it just depends what and where you're at. The podcast, I share stories. There's just lots of lots of different ways. YouTube, whatever, just like you'll find it if you're meant to find it. Yeah. <laughs> at the art of listening to the body. Is that right? Um, at the art of listening to your body. So that's Instagram's the place that I am most active. Beautiful. Thank you, Jen, for your time, your wisdom, your candor. As a friend, I am very, very grateful for the, all the energy that you bring to the world and that you have helped join the dots in so many areas. That's really what I feel like you are as a, a master puzzle creator. So you're figuring out how this works and how to shift it into a new way, which for many will feel uncomfortable, feel scary, but actually that's bravery. So thank you. Yeah, the feeling is all mutual. Right back at you. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, 
That's a hard no about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Welcome to Easy Conversations, a podcast about covering the incredible human ability to overcoming adversity. I am Furkan Daniga. I'm a therapist and mental health advocate. Each week, my objective is to sit down with a guest and share their story of how they were able to find meaning and purpose through their adversity. These are conversations that we have deemed to be difficult, but they don't have to. Together, we can find a shared understanding. This is a podcast for everyone.